Hi, this is Blake Andrews, lead pastor at Victory World Outreach, Denton, Texas. This is our podcast, and we're so glad that you came to check it out today. I hope this message encourages you and inspires you to do great things for God. Asifiwe. How many speak Spanish? It's not that hard to say it, right? I feel like the, the Swahili language is very easy to learn because it, sp- it speaks just like, like Spanish. So that means... Uh, you're a loser. Just kidding. <laughs> Just kidding. It means praise the Lord. Amen. It's been an awesome revival. Amen. And uh, we're so blessed. Uh, thank you for all of you that have been coming uh, all weekend. And as Pastor Mario said, they've been here all week. They've been in the States for three weeks. Uh, they'll be heading home tomorrow. And I uh, told them we got we got them when they were already on their way home. They're, when you start to get to this point, you want to be home with your family and in your own bed, and I know how that is, but um, I, they've been pouring out to us and we've been having great services. And they're going to get on a plane tomorrow about 5.30 in the afternoon, and they won't get home until the next day, about 27 or 8, 28 hours later. It's a long, long, I get tired just thinking about going to Africa. But uh, they've been a tremendous blessing, so pray for them as they go back because they're going to need a lot of strength. Uh, that jet lag is going to hit them hard. Um, but there's nothing like serving the Lord, amen? And uh, I, I was thinking as Pastor Mario was taking up the offering, you know, he's been a missionary and I've been a missionary. And like he said, although they live there, there's, there's something about, and I've said this to you before, why it's so important for us to sow seed into them. As a missionary or somebody that is limited on resources in another country, these offerings are life-changing. I mean life-changing. When we would get offerings, when I would come to preach in the United States, I've told you before, it was to buy tires. It was to buy clothes for our kids. It was to buy things we could not buy if we didn't come preach an offering. And so I know that they have needs, and I believe in the name of Jesus that every need that they have is going to be met by this week's offering, amen, from our other churches as well. And uh, I'm so proud of our other churches. They took up offerings every night, and, and I was amazed at what God did through those, those new churches. They've already learning how to be, a, how many want to be known as generous people? I want someone to walk away from me and say, he's a generous person, she's a generous person, not, man, that, uh, that person's codo, like we say in Spanish, amen. So thank you for your for your generosity. Uh, before I bring him up, I was thinking I have another story that uh, just blessed me and showed me the kind of person that Pastor Safari is. Uh, the very first time I went to Africa in 2010, I, I, uh, I was a missionary, you know, I was two, ba- two years back here, and so I had kind of gotten out of my missionary mindset, and so I wasn't watching my, when you're a missionary, you learn how to, you're always watching. You're always looking around, you're very careful, you're telling the people with you, be careful, be watching. And so I had just been out of it and got, got there and was excited to uh, go see the lions. And, and they, by the way, they don't live in the city, amen, they, you have to go out of the city to see them. But just all that and I had gone just the day before, um, I don't remember who took me, but someone in their church took me to a little mini kind of safari near the city. And so I had a bunch of pictures so we were by this mall, sitting at a corner. Pastor Ben Musa was in the car with me. Um, I, I don't think you were you, were you were driving or was somebody else driving us? Okay, somebody else was driving us. And so we were sitting in the back, and I'm looking at my phone and not being a good missionary. 
and not and 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 uh, looking at these pictures, and all of a sudden I saw, and so someone reached in to the car, and grabbed my phone, and stole it, and so I got out and I chased him as fast as I as much as I could, and I was chasing him for a while, and there was road on this side. I mean, it's just what it was. That's stupid to get out and chase him, anyways. But you just—it's your first reaction. That's what I did, and so I'm chasing him, and he was really fast. It was just like a blur. But there was road on the left and kind of a wall on the right. And all of a sudden, he was gone. He was raptured. He disappeared. I mean, he literally was gone. I couldn't see him anymore. And I'm like, where in the world did he go? Well, come to find out, he went into a, a sewage manhole and was gone. And so I was pretty distraught. And I said I had all kinds of, of videos from the Congo that I had taken the week before. And, and I was very upset. And so I told Pastor Safari about it. And, and uh, I did not get my phone back. But I remember him telling me that he spent the entire night, that night, going everywhere he could think of in Nairobi, where people would take a phone and try to get money for it to try to get my phone back. And that's, 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 a, that's bold, amen? That's bold. It takes a lot of time, and that just blessed me. I'll never forget that you tried your best to get my phone back for me, amen? And uh, I do hold it a little bit against you that you didn't. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. You failed. No, I'm just kidding. Amen. It's the, it's the effort that counts. Amen. Well, I know he's got another great word for us, so get your notebooks ready, get your pens ready, your Bibles ready. Let's give him lots of amens and let him know we love him this morning. Let's give Pastor Safari one more Denton, Texas welcome as he comes so he knows that he's appreciated. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's pray for the word of God. Heavenly Father, God Almighty, His Son Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, we appreciate the fact that we are alive today. You've given us the gift of life to congregate so that you can bless us, you can encourage us. Lord, we can be warned, and those who are not saved will be saved, God. And those of us who are not baptized in the Holy Ghost will be baptized in the Holy Ghost. And those of us, oh God, who need to, re to be rejuvenated, to be energized again, Lord, every Sabbath, every Sunday, and every meeting brings that opportunity. Heal the sick and medicines, oh God. And those who have psalms and uh, uh, words of encouragement, Lord, we pray they will be lifted another level. May your true kingdom come and your will be done. As you use me as a vessel and you bless this wonderful congregation. For this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're going to hear the word of God about the kingdom giving and receiving. Kingdom giving and receiving. Uh, Pastor, thank you for the invite once again. As we go home, we are requesting that we take greetings from the saints from this church. Is that okay? Amen. Should we take the greetings with us? Amen. Uh, it has been a wonderful time to be here. We have been challenged when we went to the branches, the Dora churches that have been planted from here. Uh, you may, uh, we thought we are going to just share and uh, disciple people. We were also discipled because 
we saw good things and we accepted the will of God that we can learn. And as we go home, we go home loaded with the word of God and the challenge. Uh, physical fatigue notwithstanding, our spirits are energized in the Lord. We are soaring up with spiritual strength and we are ready to serve the Lord back home. Amen. I've shared stories about our families, right? Amen. How many appreciate that I'm a storyteller? <laughs> that is my advantage. Storytelling is my tool. I only pray that I don't go overboard about storytelling and get out of the world. And today, I want to tell only a bit, just a paragraph. As much as I was born in a poor family and a Christian family, there was something that the Lord delivered me on later years. As a matter of fact, most of you had already known me. I had already known majority of you. And that's part of the thing I'm going to preach. Is the poor man's mentality. Is the entitlement mentality that you owe me or people should give me. God delivered me and our family from that. And uh, each one of us can backslide and get ourselves there, whereby we think the rich owe us something. Or those who have, they have it and they need to give us. I have overcome that mentality as a member of our family, as an African, as a Kenyan, as a man who was born without. No one here owes me anything. When I preach, I preach for the kingdom of God. If they bless me as pastor shared, what a wonderful thing. I owe nobody a grudge. I preach the word of God and signs and wonders of God follow me. But where I came from, the mentality, the attitude has stayed longer with people. So I tell my brothers every time, let's overcome this mentality that somebody owes us. And now as I close on that illustration, even nations can think other nations owe them something. The superpower nations and the, the, the developing nations may think, oh, they owe us. I want to share on kingdom giving and that illustrations will be tied in just at the right time. The Bible says out of the book of Ecclesiastes, that is the preacher, and that's chapter 11, verse 1 to 6. Cast your bread at the waters, for thou shalt find it after many days. Give a portion to, to seven and also to eight, for thou knowest not what evil shall be upon the earth. If the clouds are full of rain, they empty themselves upon the earth, and if the tree fall towards the south or towards the north, in the place where the tree falleth, there it shall remain. He that observeth the wind shall not sow, and he that uh, regardeth the clouds shall not reap. As thou knowest not what the way of the spirit, nor how the born do grow in the womb of her that is with a child, 
Even so, thou knowest not the works of God who maketh thee. In the morning sow thy seed, and in the evening withhold not thine hand. For you not know, you do not know which one shall prosper, either this or that, or whether they both shall be good. You know, the Bible is a wonderful book. It has the soundest counsel and advice on investment. Somebody said, I cannot prove this in the scriptures, 20% of the sermons and teachings that Jesus did was on finances, was on prosperity. Now, I am not a prosperity preacher, but having shared my stories here, I hate poverty with passion because people gossiped and called us poor, yet they were also poor. So the Bible is a wonderful book, amazing book. It's an entire library. If you lived on an island of isolation by yourself and read the Bible as the only book without any theological background, yet you could read, you could be anything that God wants us to be. So we cannot preach all the rest of the things and say, well, we are hyper-spirituals, and money meaneth nothing to us. Money is important, and there is a kingdom way to give and a kingdom way to receive. This is not a kingdom that enhances the theme of poverty mentality, and to be poor glorifies the Lord. So the Bible has the soundest, the best financial advice we can find in the world. King Solomon, for example, was the world richest man of his time. And even right now, if we could quantify what he had and put it in dollars, he still would stand to be the richest. He had some wise advice. And uh, you know what? To consider better than John Rockefeller, better than, uh, you know, uh, Donald Trump. Bill Gates or any one of these uh, billionaires from Russia and uh, the Arab world and uh, all over the place. There are factors we need to scrutinize and embrace. Some we need to repel and refuse when we want to give into the kingdom of God and receive from the same. Now God is a giver. He's not a taker. He gave us Jesus. He gave us the apostles. They initially were disciples. He gave us the Holy Spirit. Behind, he left one book, a wonderful book for us to read. His son gave his life on the cross. We have the Holy Spirit. What else do we think he should do to make us both prosperous, healthy, good Christians? Every kingdom runs on certain principles and laws. And once those principles and laws are adhered to, they precipitate and gravitate towards certain blessings or running away from the same. So this kingdom of God has principles. And it's better for us to navigate through the word of God 
diggers from this mine gold and see what is good for us and we do it. So I want to share a few factors to consider in uh, giving in the kingdom of God. So if we are not careful, we will develop some worldly attitude concerning our giving in the kingdom of God. You know the people of the world have the way they get their money. They have ways. Some are crooked, but they justify them. Their mentalities, their attitudes, their kernel. Should we learn from the world their crooked ways of making money? When they are justifiable kingdom ways that should be transferred and be replicated in the secular world? So one of the most prevalent and common attitude in giving and receiving that should be corrected is the surplus mentality. And that's what I was calling the poor man's mentality that I grew in. That the rich should give to the poor. That the poor think in themselves that these rich people who are driving nice cars and they live in nice houses, they owe them something. And the surplus mentality goes like this. We give only when we have excess. We want to give God from the remnants. We want to tip God. Think about this. The offering basket is passing by. And people who have been in church long enough, they look at it. And they pass it. In Kenya, we joke. A poor man is so poor that he knows the difference between a $10 note and a $100 note while it is in the pocket. He can touch the texture and pull out the, the $10 note and give it in the basket. Or they pass the basket and say, in their minds, let the rich give. When it comes to kingdom giving and receiving, it's not a question of the poor man versus the rich person. It's not the question of those who have versus those who don't have. But giving, the giving that the word of God talks about has the kingdom aspect or dimension. And this is the dimension. We have to get rid of that carnal attitude. The carnal attitude is, I don't have. The carnal attitude is, it's like God is taking away from us. The carnal attitude is, I will wait until when I have a million that doesn't hurt me. That's when I'm going to give. Each one of us were never born givers. Human nature rejoices and glorifies in receiving and receiving. That is the world mentality. The world lives on operates by the realm of finances that are governed not by God's miraculous power, but the word afford. When I will afford, when it is most convenient, when it's not most painful, giving is not easy. 
naturally, carnally, it's like losing. When we gave in the morning, we think, well, whew, my money is being taken away. My sweat, my blood, my intelligence, my time, because that is the definition of money. My all intelligence is represented by my money. I worked for it. We sweat for it. Have you ever heard people having negative attitude all the time? They're living according to the world mentality. When they start talking about money and the church, they switch off. Kingdom giving has a cost factor. And here is a great revelation from the book we have read, Ecclesiastes chapter 1 verse 1. Cast your bread upon the waters. This is an imagery that comes from the custom of sowing seeds, corn. In the oldest days when they were traveling on boats, on oceans and lakes, and they would take that corn or maize seeds and throw it out of the boat. That maize, that seed, was precious thing in the sense that it could have made a meal for the day. So there could be an immediate gratification by eating that seed. But the Bible says you cast it, you take the risk, throw it out of the boat, and after many days... The very seed you threw out will find you, will come your way. It will not come immediately. And it will not come in the form you planted it. Seed, for example, the maize, the corn, was a vital meal, a, a, a vital food supply. And this is bread, you know, some Bible calls it bread, cast your bread or maize or corn upon the water. The family could have utilized it. The Bible says in Psalms 126 verse 6 about precious seed. And I read, the one who goes out weeping and carrying a bag of seeds will surely return with a joyful song bearing the shelves from his harvest. This is another picture of sacrificial giving, like the one out of Ecclesiastes chapter one, verse, chapter eleven, verse one. When we take our money, that is precious thing. When we take our talents, our energies, our precious gold and diamond, and give it, giving it back to God, our Creator. It's a precious seed. The Bible says they, should, they, they will come back. You know what? Rejoicing with the harvest. The time of the harvest is a precious, uh, is a wonderful time of rejoicing. But many times when it comes to planting the seed or the season or plowing the ground and putting seed in the ground, there is no much rejoicing. You go through the example of farmers as they do the planting. Planting season is dirty time. There is nothing to rejoice about. 
This is a picture of another sacrificial giving. And our giving should not be again out of surplus material. This is where the cost factor I shared earlier in the kingdom of God comes into play. There is kingdom giving and kingdom receiving. And how I pray each one of us should come to that place whereby God works a work of grace upon our souls that we know and outgrow some weaknesses like I want to plant today and tomorrow I receive. I'm giving $1,000 here and when I leave the church, $10,000 will be waiting for me at the parking lot. Planting season and harvesting seasons are not the same season. They are different. Here is another uh, example of the widow who gave just a small amount of money. And the Bible says in Mark 12 verses 41. Jesus was facing the offering box. And he watched how the crowd was dropping their money into it. And many rich people were dropping in their large amounts. Then a destitute widow came and dropped in a small copper coin worth about a cent. Jesus called his disciples and told them, I tell you the truth. This destitute widow has dropped in more than everyone who contributed in the offering box. Because of uh, because of them contributed out of their surplus, but out of our poverty, she has given everything she had to live on. Can you imagine that? Jesus did not glorify little giving. But the widow gave from the heart. She, her giving was sacrificial and it hurt her check. It left a dent on her pocket. And Jesus sees. He looks. Do you believe with me? Jesus still looks today. He sees my giving. He saw my giving in the morning and yesterday. He sees. We can hide it from the counters. We can hide it from the pastor. We can hide it from the council. And you know what? The church leadership. But Jesus looked and I wondered when I thought just like a, a normal person. Was Jesus looking like this, like directly, or he was looking at the heart? And the truth is, it was both. He saw it before, and he saw it in practicality. Sometimes we feel condemned when we have nothing. And that should not be the case. We should not feel condemned. When we have nothing to give and we have a willing heart. Do we receive our offerings in the parking lot before you get into the church? No. So you should not feel condemned when you have nothing or you have little. But again, we should feel challenged like Jesus said. There came many people. But he looked at this widow. Jesus never condemned the rich for being rich. No. That is another poor man's mentality in preaching, in condemning those who have. Saying, oh, you know what Jesus was glorifying? He was glorifying poverty. 
And he was saying, if you give so little, then it is even much better. Or the rich will not just go to heaven. No, there are so many poor Africans in hell. There are Costa Ricans. There are Americans. Everywhere in the world. And there are millions and millions of rich people in heaven. So it is not a question of extreme poverty or riches. So kingdom giving and investment has also a time factor here. The Bible is talking about in the book of Ecclesiastes. Planting, reaping. We don't always reap at the same time of planting. And this is hard on the human nature to understand. As I said, some Christians tithe on Sunday and expect millions surprise on Monday. No, it doesn't work like that. The scriptures instructs us to be patient. It says, thou shall find it after many days. Let's not pamper one another. You know, sometimes we want to preach and make it easy for the people that the Bible has said it or has put it. The Bible says it is after many days. This implies that you may think it was lost. You almost forgot about it. But the truth is that God keeps good books. Amen? Thank you for those 19 amens. You know what? God keeps good books. He is not a taker. Just at the right time, he will give back. God will not be a debtor to no man. When you invest in him, in the kingdom of God, you will see good returns. When we purchase the church land, when we build, when we do revivals and invest in conferences, God will be a debtor to no man. When you invest in the kingdom of God, there are sure returns. God is so just that he will never demand two payments for one debt. Watch this. For God is not unrighteous. The Bible says in Hebrews 6.10. For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and the labor of your love. And that includes financial investment in the things of God. And they say this in the book Pastor Paul gave me on steward tips. There is a book that we use as pastors for offerings and tithes messages to encourage people. The harvest will always be a reflection of a planting season. So the harvest is always greater than the seed. And if you don't like your harvest, then you change your seed. That's what that writer is saying. When we give and it reaches a time of harvest, we don't have a good harvest. What we should do is that we consider the seed and our money, our offerings, and our tithe should be used as seeds. Our giving in the kingdom of God. Kingdom giving and kingdom receiving has always a powerful multiplication factor. When we give to God, he doesn't give exactly. We should not look the same direction for the reward. Pastor Mario, during the receiving of the offering, he shared the same. 
Give and it shall be given to you. A good measure pressed down and shaken together and running over. Shall men give unto your bosom. For with the same measure you take, it shall be poured back to you. So we are the ones who determine how much will come our way. So kingdom giving has always a very, very powerful multiplication principle. And every good farmer, they don't have to be graduates of agriculture. They know this. The return is multiplied many times. And this is real in this kingdom. This is real in this kingdom. This kingdom is good. This kingdom is powerful. This is illustrated when we bring our fast fruits, our tithes and offering. God's system of finances, giving and receiving has never failed in any given generation in history. My father, like me, was brought up by missionaries, Baptist missionaries. I was brought up by the missionaries under this umbrella. The first hardest thing my father told me the missionaries had with Africans when they came was the issue of tithing. And they broke it down to the Africans using just chicken and cows and corn, just as it, 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 it was. And it took a long time. But when they broke through, they broke through. For every 10 eggs, the, the missionaries had a hard time. For every 10 eggs, they explained to the people and my father, take one and give it to God. They literally brought all the eggs to church. And the missionaries counted them literally. They said one up to ten and said the tenth one belongs to God. God's system of finances, giving has never failed. When we bring the fast fruits, when we bring the tithe, when we bring the offering, when we give sacrificially, God will never fail. He will never have a witness among the sons of men, those who were born of a woman, that God demanded two payments for one debt. And then I'm almost done, two points to go. Kingdom giving involves the ability to see and to seize the opportunity. The widow, the widow, of Zarephath, for example. You know, it was very hard for the man of God, the prophet, to say, you make me bread fast, and then later, you make for your son. She was in a difficult situation. She didn't have a husband. She was in a difficult situation. It was during time of hunger and famine. But she captured that moment and that moment changed history. And she's in the scriptures today. Kingdom giving involves the ability to see and to seize opportunity. You know we must seize every opportunity in the lifetime of an opportunity. 
Opportunities look like they have wings and they can go. And one opportunity in life can change the history of a person like nothing else. The text we have read above implies in action, uh, action is taken with an insight of tomorrow and the need of tomorrow. But the carnal man doesn't see that. We hold, we hang on things. And you see, yesterday when we were receiving the offering again, we read out of the book of Matthew. We be careful never to hold on things where there's moth and rusting and thieves. That means inflation. If we kept a thousand dollars long time ago, it was so good and it could purchase a lot of things. But things change. You know, the covetous men say things like this. I cannot give today because I'm saving for a rainy day or a hard day. But the liberal man says, I'm going to give to God now that I have God's help and I will have God's help in future. Hard times have been there. Those who are 70, those who are 80, they'll tell you, hard times have never ceased. And those who live to be 100, hard times will still be there. But opportunities come and opportunities go. And therefore, we cannot hold and hold on resources waiting for a difficult day to come. Our tithe and our offering are God's inflation fighters, shock absorbers against meltdowns that are coming tomorrow. They say about 1929 in the U.S. and all over the world, the world stock markets came down crumbling. But they also say, faithful tithers, those who lived to invest in the kingdom of God, they survived those terrible times. Giving of offerings and tithe and in the kingdom of God consistently and sacrificially is a preventive medicine from financial diseases. We are living in the end times. Apart from wars, apart from diseases like COVID-19, one of the diseases that will come in the end times is just financial meltdown. When people work for so many hours, but there's so little. When people invest money in so much, but the returns are few. Giving to God in form of offerings and tithes and sacrificial things is an insulation against these things that are yet to come. All types of giving in the kingdom of God is by those who can see and seize the opportunity. In God's kingdom, to be liberal, to be generous should be in the moment. We should not miss a single moment, a chance to invest. Why? It's because the opportunity for giving will not always be there. And it is Jesus who said it. The opportunity to buy the land and build will not always be with us. 
There is a time that project will pass. There is a time that moment will be gone. That's the same case with the woman with the alabaster oil. In the Bible, the disciples ridiculed her and talked. But Jesus said, leave her alone. She's doing this for my memorial. She seized the opportunity. And when the rest of the women were coming at the tomb to anoint the body of Jesus, the opportunity had already taken off. So that lady captured the moment. What a revelation the disciples never had at that time. We all will make great investment in the things that are important to us. What about giving in the kingdom of God and receiving from the kingdom of God? When I read the resurrection of Jesus Christ in Matthew 28, the Bible talks about the priest paid large amounts of money to silence the soldiers that guarded the tomb. They paid a large amount of money to corrupt the soldiers so that they would pervert the truth that Jesus had resurrected. If those men could invest a lot of money in lies and cheating to propagate a lie of what was truly Jesus had resurrected, how much should we pay to take the gospel out of our nation and the state? The greatest lie of the devil when it comes to money is this. I'm going to give to God someday when I have a lot of money. When I get a lot of money and I've paid all my bills and I've done everything and I'm settled, then I'm going to give. In reality, we are saying, when I get to where it doesn't hurt to give to God and to God's people and work, then, well, I'll give. That moment is neither here nor there. Amen. It is not what we do with a million dollars. It's what we do with a hundred dollar bill. That is the opportunity. It's not what we do with a hundred. It's what we do with just ten dollar and one dollar. He who can demonstrate to himself and to God that they can make useful the little that they have, they will receive amazing. God has surprises for us. I finally close with this. There is a great relationship between faith, giving, and receiving. There is a great, mighty The worst possible condition to give in is when you don't have. Our goal is to give to God based upon his promises, not about our abundance. God has a thousand ways, a million ways to bless one person. We must have faith in God that he will fight for us. He will take us through. There is a strong relationship in paying the tithe in the local church and needs met miraculously. And I read this and then we pray. Tithing and giving of offering does not pay or buy God's blessing. But it does release blessings upon our lives. 
Those who tithe express their faith in God in the most practical way. In other words, they're saying, I believe the 90% that is left after uh, uh, from 100% would purchase more with God's blessing on it. Anybody who has done maths, genius, and physics and biology, you can easily fail a very simple mathematics here. How can from a hundred dollars you have taken ten and given it to God that the ninety that is remaining can buy more things, can transact many businesses, can just take you far? It takes faith to believe in that statement because God is in it. But carnally thinking, it is hard. Christians, I was not preaching about prosperity. I just hate poverty. God is so good. We have all sung, oh, God is good. He's so good to me. Do you think God just wants to take you to heaven? But be buried in a borrowed tomb? Should our children go down begging down the street? And then we say God is so good. When we give to God and his work, we have faith in him. When we give to the kingdom of God, it's not a kingdom of injustices. Only receiving and sitting back and watch us while we wallow in abject poverty. He wants to give us money that we can leave to our children one day a property. Because the Bible says a good man will leave a treasure for his children's children. And the wealth of those wicked people is laid out for the just. You are the one. It is a just thing to give money to God. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for myself and this audience that we shall rise up to the occasion of being faithful to you. You are not a taker. You are a good God. You bless with riches, with materials, Lord, I pray from today, God, you give us a revival, personal revival, that we can be faithful to the local assembly where there is spiritual oversight over us. And Lord, bless us with finances. Bless the works of our hands. Give us a creative mind that can generate Wealth, God, in the most practical way. That we'll plant many churches, we'll finance them. We'll support our disciples. Conferences, revivals, God. We'll build this church that we yet to build, God. We thank you, we worship you. In that mood of prayer, how many all over this place say, I need Jesus first. Jesus in the heart. The hope of glory. I'm not saved. I'm not born again. Many people, many people, even those who are following this telecast online,
you are there and you want to receive Jesus, you're saying, Pastor, pray for me. We pray for you. How many will raise their hands? Say, that is me. May we all stand up, please. I would like us to pray this prayer together. Let's pray it in faith. Let's pray believing. Say, Jesus, help me. Save me. Deliver me from carnal things. Lord, I thank you as my Savior. Write my name in the Lamb's Book of Life. Amen. Thanks again for listening. If you want to hear more messages, please subscribe to our podcast channel. And if you like it, consider rating it and sharing it with your friends. For more content from VWO Denton, go to our website at vwotexas.com.